Welcome to another episode of Going Back, Back, Back. As usual, this is Brian Gay with my co-host, Tom Young. Hey, Brian. Back for another week. How you doing tonight, man? On, uh, another beautiful uh, Wednesday evening here in Chester County, Pennsylvania. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We're all rock and rolling, ready to put out another episode for you guys. So we're going to start off with uh, another baseball fact. Got this one off of Twitter as well from Baseball History Nut. Brian, have you ever old ever heard of Old Hoss, former pitcher in the MLB? No, it sounds like it'd be a brand of chaw, like the guys in the Sandlot would have been throwing in before uh, hitting the hitting the fair. Yeah, so Old Hoss, he uh, was a pitcher back in 1884. He won 59 games that season. I would think that's going to be a record that might never be broken. So his stat line <laughs> that year, he went 59-12, and 12, had a 1.38 ERA. He pitched in 75 games, started in 73 of them. In those 73 starts, he had 73 complete games. 11 of of those games are shutouts. He pitched 678 and two-thirds innings and 441 strikeouts and 98 walks. So weirdly enough, when you started saying that, I actually, it did ring a bell. It's old Hoss, Charles Radborn. Old Hoss, that's him. Old Hoss, Charles Charles Radborn. Born and raised in, well, born at least in my hometown, Rochester, New York. I actually just saw that. I looked him up because you started talking about it. And uh, it sounded really familiar. I apologize if there's more to this fact. No, that, that's the end there, 98 walks. I think it's fascinating because that's actually really not, for the amount of games and stuff he pitched, that's pretty reasonable. 678 innings pitched, yeah, 98 walks. Yeah. I think that's one of those prime examples of how the, the different eras of baseball need to be split up when it comes to the conversations of the counting stats. But I don't think anyone really considers him to be, like, truly, like, He's not the greatest of all time, no. pitching wise or anything. Like, I never heard of this guy before finding this stat for us tonight. And it's to pitch in seventy five games in one season and then start seventy three of them and throw seventy three complete games. Like, <laughs> that's some like that's more innings than some starting staffs will put together in this day and age in baseball with all these guys that have like all the teams that have the openers like the Tampa Bay Rays, San Francisco Giants, they do that. They throw someone out there for an inning or two, and then they have the the bulk guy who goes out there for four innings and pitches like three through six, right? The seventh inning, like six hundred seventy eight innings from one guy in one season. It just makes it's got it makes you wonder though, like just like what, how were they pitching? Like what was he, there's because if guys could throw that much now comfortably, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. You know, right? I mean, I feel like. If you could go out there and put on that kind of performance, throw that kind of that inning count, why wouldn't you do it? The contract you could get off of being able to provide that kind of production is, I mean, you can't even calculate what that would that would bring to the table. Yeah, if you think Shohei Otani's going to get paid a lot this year with five hundred plus million, like if you're out there <laughs> pumping out close to seven hundred innings pitched for the season, and you're going to throw a complete game every time you tow the rubber, like. I think you'd be approaching six, seven hundred million. Yeah, and to win most of them. And speaking of Shohei, what a shame! Um, you know him going down, well, going down with the elbow injury. Uh, M, what was it? MC, MCL, UCL? Uh, the UCL. MCL's UCL. in the knee. It's your I thought UCL so. In your elbow there. Them. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because you know obviously you're still gonna get to see him hit, but I I don't I don't recall we we couldn't remember if we had spoken about this on the last podcast, but I think at this point. Um, actually, we talked about the Phillies game. I think it it would make sense for them to shut him down for the year. Just get the surgery now. If he's going to need Tommy John, it's going to be his second, first of all, which is... Yeah, it's never a good sign. And No. 
I mean, it sounds like the seems like the Angels are waving the white flag on the season to begin with. After going all in at the deadline, and then you put all those guys you acquired at the deadline on waivers with the chance of just being claimed by another team, and you don't get anything returned, just a salary dump more or less. So, if that's the case, all those guys, if they do get claimed, Mike Trout's out again. If you're Shohei Otani for your best interest, you probably do say, hey. I need to get Tommy John surgery so I'm ready for next season to start at least as a hitter, and then hopefully he can maybe pitch again in 2025. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm curious more than anything to see how it plays out with the contract he's going to get now because whoever, I think he's got the talent and he's worth the value of eating that first full year of him at least on the, missing him on the mound. Yeah, it'll still be a major draw for your box yeah. office sales too. And Yeah, because he's currently, as far as I, I last I saw, He's leading the league in home runs, leading the league in triples. Um, he's up there in like all the major hitting stats. He's he's there. Yeah, anything uh, you want out of hitter in today's age, yeah, he does it. One oh seven, one oh seven OPS, three oh seven average, four ten on base, six sixty one slugging. He's stolen nineteen bases, eighty five walks. He has struck out one hundred forty one times, but really in comes with the territory. It does when you hit forty four home runs and ninety five RBIs. Um, yeah, so like he is leading the league in home runs. He's got one more than Matt Olson's right behind him at 43, uh, Alonzo at 39, and Schwarber at 37. It's pretty interesting that three of the top four home run hitters in Major League Baseball are all NL East. Um, yeah, I was just thinking NL for a second then. I realized Pete Alonzo, yeah, NL East too. For now, though, there's yeah. rumors that he might be on the market at the end of the season. Yeah, apparently the Mets were shopping him at the deadline this past you know couple weeks ago, and are to them? me that... Okay, you traded Scherzer and Verlander. You're signaling maybe a rebuild, maybe not, because you brought in some quality prospects. Yeah. But with an owner like Steve Cohen, you just go out, sign whoever you want next this upcoming offseason and be competitive again. But if you then go and trade arguably your best hitter in Pete Alonso, that's to me that's then a two, three year re- rebuild, not just a one or two. Yeah. Depending how these prospects turn out for you. I think getting trading off. Alonzo is the true that's truly waving the white flag of hey you know we are not planning to compete for the next couple of years because he's still young he's still very good yeah, he's um, on a cheap contract too if I'm not mistaken I don't think he's he's still ar- arbitration eligible so I don't think he's gotten paid yet yeah the 218 average is like kind of painful uh, especially when he, he only has 54 walks like he's betting 30 points higher than Kyle Schwarber but Schwarber's walked 102 times, whereas Alonzo's only walked 54. He did miss a few weeks early in the year after he got hit by a pitch. Oh, that's, um, hey, well, in like the wrist area, so I think it definitely sapped some of his power and hitting ability. So it makes sense to have a bit of a down year average-wise. 39 dingers. 39 dingers, it's hard to say it's a da- a down year. Definitely, Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm not sure if a power issue is the concern anymore, which we did have with um, MV3 here. Uh, Bryce Harper looked like he just could not hit for power anymore, and that man is on a tear unlike anything I've ever seen lately. Yeah, you saw that with Max Muncy last year when he was returning from the same type of surgery, the Tommy John surgery. It just takes time to get that strength back in that area of your arm. And once it was kind of around the same time last year for Muncy too, he started being a much better power hitter at the end of the year, and his power came back. Now you're seeing the same thing with Bryce, a little bit earlier than Max, but it bodes well for where the Phillies are going here in the future and this upcoming, 
hopeful long playoff run and bring back another red October to the city of Philadelphia. I sure have. So the it's it's you can feel the energy building up around this team right now, and it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, but enough about baseball. We talk about a lot of baseball on this podcast. Well, it is uh, at least my true love for sports. Oh yeah, no, I fully agree. But my second true love, my mistress, if we would say, if baseball is my my true love, is football, and we are just under one week out from kicking off the nfl season yeah next thursday just over first one game. week out i said that wrong next thursday is the first game uh who's it's, it's i believe it's the lions at the chiefs right i believe you are correct um very An interesting game I, I mean i think it's pretty much tradition at this point for the super bowl winner to open up the season yeah but an interesting team for them to face in the detroit lions I think it's a team that everybody that watches football is excited and interested to see what happens because they had a few games where last year it was like, hold on, these aren't your the Lions that you've we've loved to beat a, up on for 40 years. Yeah, we've come uh, accustomed to seeing the past 15 years, even with Stafford there, and they never really amounted to much. And no. I don't think he ever won a playoff game with Detroit, they and his first been, playoff win was in L.A. when his, they went won the Super Bowl, right? His first playoff appearance, I believe, even was it once he got to L.A. The Lions have not been to the playoffs in a very long time. Um, but I feel like they've made some good moves. Um, you know, if Jared Goff can be half decent. Um, this year with Amon Ross St. Brown really having his blow up last year, um, his first real big year. You have your their, their first true number one since uh, a little guy known as Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Yeah, Megatron. We all – all of us that were lucky enough to witness that period of football, I mean, he was a Man, talk about one of the like, great what-ifs, though, in sports. Like, he retired at, what, age 30? Yeah, I he he was the the our era's Barry Sanders, where he played for a miserable Detroit franchise, and was underappreciated. I don't know about underpaid, but underappreciated playing for awful teams, as easily the best wide receiver in the league at the time. I don't think there. I I don't know. You could probably you might have some arguments otherwise. Yeah, I mean, but I think Randy he, Moss, Terrell Owens. You know, but Randy. You know, look at who was thrown to those guys over the years. Right. And you know, great. Okay, he did have Stafford, but. He put up those numbers being double teamed all the time and playing for Detroit. Uh, you know, who knows? You know, I think that he could have been so much more than he was, which is saying a lot because he's a Hall of Famer. Right. And was and a great player. Amazing stats. So talking football, um, you know, we thought tonight uh, we do have some fun history facts coming at you in a little bit, but we thought tonight would be a good time to talk about football. Tom and I are going to pick our division, uh, our the people we think are teams we think will win the divisions. Why, you know, what what we think might happen within each division, and then just see where you know have a good time talking football. You know, we talk a lot of baseball. We like we said we both love it, uh, but it's time to time to shine the spotlight on. I think the what everybody in this country is really excited. About. I think football brings everyone together more than anything else. Uh, baseball's up there. You know, anyone can baseball's accessible for watching. It's easy to understand. There's just something about football. Even people that don't like sports seem to enjoy sitting down, cheering for their local team. Or, you know, maybe whoever they're, whoever, whatever team they came to fall in love with as a kid. Yeah, watching that pigs can get tossed around. There's something about it. Um, there's nothing like being at a at an NFL stadium on a opening day or just in general a good game. It's a it's a different electricity than you find at other games. I think because it only it happens more infrequently than the rest. Yeah, it's tough when you have 162 baseball games a season. Yeah, it definitely gets ratcheted up in the postseason, but so does every other sport. But football, it's the least amount. There's there was sixteen for the longest time now. We have seventeen. So yes, sir. your home home team maybe sees eight one year, nine the next, but in baseball you see eighty one home games. Yeah, it's hard to like you can't you can't truly get excited for every single game in 
baseball, even hockey and basketball at 82 apiece. You know, it's like there's a lot to enjoy in the games you're watching. Obviously, you're watching the top athletes in their sport and do what they do best. But I feel like that sense of importance on each game isn't there like it is in the NFL. Right. You start off 0-4 in the NFL like you're most likely missing the playoffs. Yeah. You and start off 0-4 in baseball, it's a – who cares? You have 150 more to go. Yeah, we're warming up at that point. So uh, very interested to see where we go. Um, interested to see what you think uh, will come out of the league this year. Uh, today we're only talking division winners. T- tune in next week as we pick our end-of-season awards, who we think is going to take on the championship. We'll talk MVPs. Maybe Some rookie little, of the year, maybe. Maybe a little rookie Sprinkle of the year. Sprinkle in a little of this, a little of that. Yeah, you know, it's we want to get into football next. Uh, next episode will be out right, but right uh, should be the morning of opening uh, opening night uh, there in Kansas City. So it'll be exciting. So to kick it off, we're starting with the American Football Conference, the AFC. In my opinion, it is the superior conference, and that's not a homer comment. It's just the teams across the board are significantly better than what you find in the NFC. The NFC is top-heavy with one, two or three teams. The AFC, there's a number of legitimate contenders. It's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be brutal. And there's so much talent. Um, obviously, your quarterback really is what makes or breaks your team. I will say, outside of Jalen Hurts being in the NFC, I think you could argue the rest of the top quarterbacks are all home in the AFC. Yeah, and that's crazy because only seven of those quarterbacks are going to see the playoffs. So there's going to be two relatively who knows two two deserving quarterbacks that don't make it but the crazy thing and the you know one of the exciting things about sports is you never know what will happen injuries can happen uh teams can be a lot better than you think teams can be a lot worse than you think so you never really truly know what you're getting your what you're getting into until you, until you're there that's why you play the game yes sir that's why i think that's why you play any sport is you don't know what's going to happen until you till till that final whistle blows and that game is over so Talking football in just a moment. We're going to hear a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back talking AFC football. This episode of Going Back, Back, Back is brought to you by Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. For all of your heating, air conditioning, and plumbing needs, call the professionals today at 484-849-1015. Rucci Heating and Cooling LLC, the one-stop call for your business and or home. Call them again at 484-849-1015. All right, let's talk some football, Tom. Starting in the AFC East, we have the only team in New York, the Buffalo Bills. You got the New Jersey Jets, the New England Patriots, and the Miami Dolphins. Now, A loaded division. Yes, and I'm curious to hear your take on it. I try to be objective in all things sports conversations but i am of course a homer diehard lifelong buffalo bills fan lived through the drought um, most of my teen uh early and teen years were around the playoff drought um it had not been a great existence but i've always been ride or die with the buffalo bills so tom i'm curious to hear what you think there's a very interesting dynamic that's going on in this division at the moment or coming into this year at least so the most popular take, it seems, today is that everyone is on the New York Jets, not the New Jersey Jets. I know, I know. That's You're just, just messing around. I, of course. I, I, I catch your drift, but everyone thinks that because Aaron Rodgers is now at the helm leading that team, that they're going to be a potential Super Bowl contender. Whether they win the division or not is up for 
debate just like whether or not they're they could even make the playoffs like you don't know what you're going to get with Rodgers is he motivated to come to New York I mean it seems like he he is and seems like he's doing well there but I mean we'll find out this season like I said that's why you play the game but that's not my pick to win the division yes the Bills did go 13 and 3 last year and win comfortably over the Dolphins at 9 and 8 but I'm going to go with Miami I think if Tua can stay healthy. I know I'm asking for a lot here. Guy seems to, unfortunately, get a concussion every few weeks. But I just like what they have on offense with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. They're talking about maybe bringing in, you know, trying to acquire Jonathan Taylor at running back, which I think would be big. If not, you still have Raheem Mozart, Jeff Wilson, two, two decent running backs who played well under Mike McDaniel when they are both in San Francisco. And just with those two guys on the outside, it's hard to contain them. I think you could argue they might be the best one-two punch in the in the league on the outside. So, I mean, it's not a sexy pick. It's not not a favorite pick by any means. You know, the Bills are the favorite for a reason. But, you know, can't go against what everybody thinks all the time. you got to kind of stand out there on your own and see what happens. Well, that's the thing is I really think that this division is – it's really going to be a toss-up between the three teams – um, that you mentioned, uh, New England, I think, is just really in, in a... Yeah, they're in a bad place. They're kind of in, like, purgatory because they've drafted a first-round quarterback who hasn't really panned out yet. No, they've been in a state of flux for a few years now, um, not really able to put together um, any really good seasons from what you've seen. Like, they've, they're fine. They're competitive. They're, they'll beat some teams, but they're not... And they always ju- play that stingy defense, too. Yes, they're always very good defensively, um, very stingy defense. Miami is definitely, I think it is a very solid pick. I think it's a because they do have a lot of talent, but it they really a thousand percent hinge on the health of Tua. Um, we saw what happened when Tua Tua gets knocked out. He had Skylar um, Thompson back there, just wasn't great. And I think was Bridgewater back there too. At and then he point, got hurt, I think. At one point. Yeah, so the Dolphins. Um a lot of interesting um a lot of interesting talent, obviously, but definitely one hundred percent hinges on Tua. The Jets are obviously like the sexy pick right now. Um, Aaron Rodgers alone, I, I've kind of been a, f- not a fan, but impressed with what the young talent that they're building up, up over up uh, over there in East Rutherford with the Jets. They've done a really great job drafting specifically. Um, looks like they've been able to add some serious contributors, but I guess that's what happens when you are, have been consistently picking in the top ten or fifteen for. Well, when you get to add Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson in the same draft. It- that was the same draft, right? Or was it two years ago? No, apart? Wilson was the year before. Oh, no, it might have been. Because I thought I they took so. Gardner, what, like second or third overall last year? And he then he was fifth. I want to say Wilson was like in the teens, right? Uh, he's, for some reason, 10 rings a bell with me. Or maybe that's just his number. No, okay, so Sauce Gardner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, and then I believe it was Jermaine. Yeah, Jermaine yeah, Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. From Florida State. And then in the second round is when they, they brought Brees Hall in. Yeah, great draft overall pick. So, like, yeah, that alone was huge. Um, Quinn uh, Quinn and Williams looks like he's an absolute monster in the middle of that defensive line. That defense is scarier to me than the offense. Um, adding Dalvin Cook obviously makes them interesting. Yeah, um, gives gives Rodgers a great one-two punch, kind of like how he had in Green Bay there with Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Yeah, and they also brought in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. So McCole Hardman is in there as well, actually. Yeah, and then after those guys, though, like. Hardman, Cobb is your three, four, but if either of those guys get hurt, like they get in trouble with uh, wide receiver depth. Yeah, 
I don't. Yeah, I think any you know anybody's going to once you know when your top three guys are getting knocked out. Um, but I I don't I don't know enough about their roster to to know what would be next because previously it would have been like Denzel Mims would have been next guy up, but they trained him to the Lions and the Lions cut him. And then Elijah Moore, he was uh Elijah he Moore. was there too. He got sent out to the uh, Browns. Yeah, and then I mean previously they had like guys like Jameson Crowder, and you know it's just one of those places that now they're really putting good weapons together again. Like I mentioned, the Patriots, not really. I don't. I'm not worried about them. Um, and then obviously my favorite team, the Bills. Um, I think so. They, they're bringing back a lot of the same lineup from last year. The major loss being Tremaine Ed- on defense, at least, is Tremaine Edmonds, who's now going to be monitoring the middle for the Chicago Bears. Um, offensively, though, you're like Devin Singletary had been our lead back for the past few years, thousand yard rusher, but nobody's running the ball well in Buffalo. Their offensive line is not very good. You got an exciting player there with James Cook. It looks like yeah, James Cook does look very interesting. He could be a very fun one. So that sort of with some of the downsides to where the bills are at obviously and you got von miller on the on the pup so he's not gonna be available for at least the first four weeks recovering from that uh, knee surgery did that happen early last year or did he not or was that like training camp uh no it was it was last year like game one or couple weeks now a couple weeks in at least he because he came out hot last year and then i don't know exactly what game it was but he went down and the pass rush obviously just wasn't the same um, they've worked really hard to stack up that defensive line. Uh, big young guy to watch. Uh, I believe it's gonna be his third year in the league now. Greg Greg Russo out of the University of Miami, six foot seven. Um, just real. There's a few times I see where you're like, wow, this kid's a different. Like he could be a real difference maker. Having Von Miller back on the other side is obviously gonna be a huge addition to that um, to that pass rush, and it's gonna open up one on one pass rush opportunities for Russo. He's probably gonna get doubled up till this up till Von Miller comes back. Um, but then obviously when you have a, an alien like Josh Allen running your offense, you're always going to be competitive. Um, I've never been so excited about a quarterback or a Buffalo Bills player in general in my life. The kid is just amazing. Um, and he's an awesome guy on top of it all. I obviously I'm going to make the Homer pick, uh, but it's not just as, as a Homer pick. They are the, they have won the division the past three years. So I have no reason to bet against them at this point. Yeah, why um, would you? If anything, they made some moves to improve their receiver, um, their receiving core. Deontay so who's uh, number two behind Stephon <laughs> uh, so Diggs? That's where Gabe the, Davis. Yeah, that's where the interesting question is going to be. I believe it's going to be Gabe because he's shown that he can be a really solid downfield threat. Yeah, big playability. Yeah, yeah. Um, so has some issues with drops here and there, um, and not always the cleanest route running. But he's shown some good deep, good deep threat ability, which is interesting because he's not that fast. This will be his year three, right? Yeah, so it's kind of gonna be a, it's gonna be a make or break year for him. So I wonder if it's one of those guys where everybody was all hyped about him because he had like a big showing in the playoffs his rookie year. Well, he did kind of like he falls off the, a little bit in year two, doesn't break out like yeah. everyone thinks, and he then he kind of really takes off takes off here. You're 100 percent correct. I think that's gonna be exactly what happens because he had that four touch he had a four touchdown game against the Chiefs in the playoffs. He caught the touchdown with 13 seconds left, and obviously we all know how it went from there. Uh, Bill should have made been in the Super Bowl that year, whatever. Um, so he, he was riding huge expectations coming in last year and people, I don't think were giving him the cushion he deserved for the fact that he was still young. He was a third round pick, um, played at a smaller D one. I mean, smaller D one school. He's a, I believe UCF or USF UCF sounds right. Um, so I, I believe he's going to at least start the year as the number two. Um, other guy they brought in was Deontay Hardy, who had been a bit of a gadget guy. Was I right? University of Central Florida. It was USF. Okay. UCF. Oh, Central Florida. UCF. Okay, so I was right. That's what yeah, I said. It wasn't first. South All Florida right, cool. Central. Um, so 
they brought in Deontay Hardy from New Orleans, small, quick gadget guy who could be a nice change of pace in this offense. Um, but then the one I'm really interested to see is their first round pick from this year, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. Yeah, that guy seems like a monster. Seems like I think honestly, it seems like they drafted him to be a just a big receiver. From what um, I've seen, he's getting a lot more like uh, time on the field than Dawson Knox here in the preseason. Yeah, Dawson. I think part of it wanted just to get him up and running. Dawson is a known commodity, more of a known commodity. The Bills did pay him. He's on a ten million dollar year contract right now, which I'm still questioning a little bit. Yeah, you don't want to be. Is he a very good blocker or no? He's a pretty good blocker. So you don't Whereas need to be Kincaid shelling is, out $10 million to a blocking tight end. So I think what's going to happen, though, is the two tight end, 12 personnel set is going to be very interesting for them. Um, I think you'll see Kincaid line up as that third receiver at times. Um, he's super smooth route runner, super smooth hands. He's like six foot seven too, isn't he? He's a big dude, six, yeah, six, 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 seven, something like that. So, yes, I got to pick the Bills. Uh, but I can talk about them all day. Let's move on to the next division. We got the AFC North. I'm going to go with the North. So we got that like is a Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Baltimore Ravens. Tom, what are your thoughts on this division? Who do you think is coming out? What do you think? Joe Shiesty running it back again. Cincinnati Bengals would be shocked if they did not win the division. Yeah. I mean, what they've got going seems to be working. They've built a great offense with Joe Burrow quarterback. Joe Mixon has been able to fall in and in line with having great wide receivers on the outside with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and then having Tyler Boyd as your number three. Bodes well for them. I mean, he's probably number two on most teams. And then they've they've shored up that offensive line. Like, Burrow was getting sacked all the time. Like, that's all that happened. It was, what, nine times he got sacked in, like, the 2021 playoffs? Yeah, he was the most sacked quarterback in the league at one point. And they still made it as far as they did, getting to the Super Bowl and losing by, I want to say, three to the Rams that year. Yeah, not a whole lot. So, come back again. I mean, they win the division in 2022. Have another heartbreaking end to their season by losing to Patrick Mahomes. That was the AFC Championship game. Is that correct? Uh, This year? Yes, yeah, past year. Yeah, it was. So, you know, Burrow going back to LSU, big-time player, which is kind of shocking because he started, if I'm not mistaken, at Ohio State and then transferred down to LSU. And to become, like, as good of a quarterback as he has been because, like, if you – if you're a quarterback and you're transferring, it's usually because you're not playing. And if you're not playing, like it doesn't seem like you're going to be a good fit going forward. But hey, it's worked out for him. Turned it into a Heisman, number one overall pick, and now yeah. he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in NFL history. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, I I too uh, was planning to pick the Bengals. I just don't really see any other teams in the North really giving them a true a true fight i think Lamar jackson if he stays healthy and he's in a full, whole new offense so that the ravens are, i think are going to be the, the team to watch i think they can give them their best run for their money they have a lot of good threats on the outside for him this year too we'll yeah. see how much of a passer lamar can be it's he's not, very well known for his running ability it sounds like that's the kind of offense they're trying to kind of transition him into is one where he throws the ball more so i mean they brought in odell beckham jr we'll see what he can do he's over yep. a year removed from that acl injury he suffered in the super bowl that the rams won uh drafted zay flowers, zay out flowers of Boston college yep. first yeah. round pick and then was, rashad bateman is yeah. a first round pick from two years ago as well so seems like there's some guys with pedigree out there on the outside for them jk dobbins top running back out of Ohio State when he came out of college. Another year removed from his ACL injury. Yeah, so if he can stay healthy, he could be a real game changer. I mean, the Baltimore is always going to be something. They're always going to play you tough. That whole division, just every game is like a bloodbath. And it is. It definitely street, is. You know, a bar fight. You don't want to – you come out of there usually with more bruises than not, 
than uh, what you went in with. Yeah, the uh, yeah for sure. Um, I mean, the Steelers. I don't. I mean, I see them being de- again decent. It's a Mike Tomlin led team. They're not Mike Tomlin led teams are always at least are solid. They are usually pretty disciplined. They are they play good football and they play it tough. I don't think he's ever had a losing record either. I believe he's been coached for what like seventeen years now, approaching like twenty. Did he just avoid it last year? I think they went. Well, you can't go 500 anymore, so I think they actually did finish one game over 500. Yeah, let me see, because I'm genuinely curious. I thought they were close. Yeah, 9-8, and 9-7, and 12-4, 8-8. and eight. Yes, okay, so they have not been, um, have not under Mike Tomlin had a losing season. They did have an 8-8 eight and eight, uh, back in 2019. But still not a losing season. No, but then they went 12-4 and four in 2020. Uh, losing to the Browns in the wild card, and then they went nine seven and one and nine and eight the last two years. So again, not, I don't think they're going to put up too much of a fight. I don't think their weapons are that exciting. George Pickens could be fun. Yeah, no. see where Kenny Pickett develops too. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. They don't. They don't really move the needle for me too much. And the Browns, I wish them nothing but bad luck. Um, any team that guarantees Deshaun Watson a quarter of a billion dollars can, you know, that you made your bed, you can lie in it. Yeah, and I, no need to discuss about them anymore. <laughs> no, I don't On care. to the AFC South. Yeah, I don't care how much uh, talent they might try to add, but they're not even anymore. So AFC South. Who are you thinking for them, Brian? All right, so of the Colts, Jaguars, Texans, and... Oh, my. Colts, Jaguars, Texans. Titans? Titans. Yeah, I couldn't I'd do that. I couldn't remember that one. This was a division last year that only had one team go over 500 yeah this is one of those divisions that, that can be kind of a desperate place to play um you, you know without tom brady being relevant there and it's not i'm not nfc i'm going the wrong direction there haven't been any true really exciting relevant teams out of this division in a while the colts haven't really been anything too worrisome since luck left i mean they've made playoffs and stuff but like I don't think anyone was truly concerned about that, especially they were renting Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz and stuff like that. For me, the pick here is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to make a big leap this year. Him and um, Dougie P. Yeah, with D- Doug Peterson has shown a history of being able to coach up quarterbacks well, uh, build that rapport. Um, and I think with Calvin Ridley coming back, you know, who knows what kind of player he's going to be. But based on what they saw, in the, what he was shown in the preseason, he looks like he's his good old self. Um, so I do think we're going to see a good bit of the uh, Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley connection, Christian Kirk, obviously Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram. That offense is going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Jaguars here. Texans don't scare me. Titans, I don't know. The Titans are complicated. I feel like. I mean, Derrick Henry is that whole offense at this point, and you know they're more of a quarter. I'm interested to watch their quarterback circus. Um, what are you thinking though? Yeah, um, didn't touch on the Colts there, but they just drafted a, both the Colts and Texans to a quarterback in the top five. That yeah. usually doesn't seem like a great thing for your upcoming year. I mean, they don't have much, too much talent around the those guys either. I mean, they both seem to be trending in the right direction, though. When you get a top five quarterback, your hope is they're the next big thing. I yeah. think Anthony Richardson probably has the biggest ceiling of the quarterbacks. They were just drafted, but probably the biggest bust potential with that lowest floor because... Yeah, he's very athletic, has all the raw tools, but will it actually translate into being an NFL quarterback? Yeah, I think he has a he has a good chance to end up in a Trey Lance type situation where he didn't ask to be drafted as high as he was. So like that bus label is tough to throw at somebody, but he did like the experience isn't there. He hasn't gotten the the reps. He hasn't 
played as much as you might like from a top five pick to show what he has, but you're correct. The tools are there. Everyone wants that Josh Allen type freak, the Cam Newton, the the alien type players and Yeah, like Jalen Hurts to an extent too, with just how much he can yeah, yeah, run and, and throw the ball. I you know, in my mind though, we can talk about this more when we get to the Eagles though, but I can I in my mind Jalen's more of a traditional pocket quarterback because he he plays smart from the pocket. He can run he can run. But it's tough like, to bring down too. Yeah, he can run, but like in my opinion, like someone like like Josh Allen does his best rolling out and improvising. Whereas Jalen, yeah, gunslinger like uh, Brett Favre. Yeah, Jalen is definitely more of a um, smart quarterback. Not saying that Josh isn't, but Jalen is definitely more like he's smart. He plays well. He reads the he reads defenses well, and he runs when he needs to. Um, where I think Josh kind of relies on his running to open up passing lanes. And his playmaking ability. Yeah, well, Jalen Hurts also has one of the best offensive lines in the league or has the past couple of years. Where yeah, tough to argue that. Um, all right, so. So with my pick, though, um, I'm going to pick the Tennessee Titans. They should have, you know, a veteran, stable quarterback who's healthy this year in Ryan Tannehill. He's yes. a bum. I mean, I'm not saying he's going <laughs> to go out there and win MVP, but he's serviceable. He's sure. a much better option back there than was it Joshua Dobbs that was out there and like couldn't throw the ball downfield and they ran the ball more or less like every play at some point know. last year that would have been Malik, I know it was Malik, it was Willis. Malik Willis and they yeah. transitioned to Joshua Dobbs because he gave them a better chance yeah you're right so with with the Titans they bring in DeAndre Hopkins who got out of a horrible situation in Arizona with the Cardinals Derrick Henry if he's Derrick Henry and can continue to just run over defenses it sets up a good one-two punch, and then you got Traylon Burks, up-and-coming receiver down there, too, in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel always seems to get the most out of his guys. Yeah, I would not be the most talented team, but he seems like a great motivating type coach and always has your back. Yeah, I would have no problem with Mike, Mike Vrabel as my head coach. If he was if he was in Buffalo, I'd be all for it. He's a great. He seems like a great coach. And I, I know I said that the Titans don't really move the needle for me, but I, th- I don't think you're off-base at all picking them to win. I mean, they've shown that they do win. And it was two years ago they were the one seed in the AFC, correct? Yeah. I mean, two the, years ago? Well, yeah, because, I mean, the def- I think the, the defensive side of the ball for them, they don't have a ton of big names, but I think the one that really stands out to me is Jeffrey Simmons has really turned into a game changer up the middle. Um, it's really cool. There's a lot of really talented young tackles and interior linemen in the league that are caught creating different, like, wreaking havoc up the middle. So he's one that, personally, I, when I've seen the Titans play, I feel like I see his name a lot, or you see him in the middle of the action quite a bit. Yeah, disrupting a lot of plays there. But, I mean, that's all we got here with the AFC South and the AFC as a whole. So, Brian, you want to start off uh, with some of the interesting well, tidbits missed, we got for the week? No, because you missed one. We never even touched the AFC West. Ah, right. Can't forget the that. AFC well, West. But the thing is, I think there's... I think in we my can opinion, just say Chiefs and move on, Yeah, right? there's really a lot less to talk about here, the Chiefs. I think I do want to touch on the Broncos real quick. Just because I don't think what we saw from Russ last year is indicative of what he has in the tank still. That's true. I think Nathaniel Hackett is a horrible coach and did not coach him, did not use him properly. Um, I haven't liked him since his days as the Bills offensive coordinator. I think he got he was made to look good by Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, in he Green struck Bay. it big. Got um, a contract as a head coach because Aaron yeah. Rodgers made him look good. I think a Sean Payton led team in Denver is going to be interesting. The Raiders are a mess and. Um, yeah, well, the Chargers are going to be interesting, too, just because well, actually, Kellen Moore is going to be, I think, a much better offensive coordinator and open up the passing game for the Chargers. I do think, actually, that was 
we say we could both agree on the Chiefs, but I did actually pick the Chargers on our initial pick. Now that I don't think the Chiefs, the Chiefs are obviously the team to beat. There's no reason to doubt them. But also, I think that the Chargers could be really interesting. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to be as dominant this year. Yeah, 14 and 3 last year. It's tough to really replicate that. They need to fall off at some point. Um, yeah, Travis Kelsey's getting older. I mean, Patrick I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes. His number one receiver, I mean, his number one is is Kelsey, but his actual number one receiver is Marquez Valdez Scantling. That's not very. And then a bunch of like rookies and second year guys. Yeah. Like Skyborn and Rush. Uh, yeah, and Kadarius Tony, um, Who who's not really healthy. panned out or stayed healthy. So, you know, I think the Chargers could be a very interesting team. I think if Herbert can take that 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 leap, I don't think he's crossed into that elite tier. I wouldn't put him just just yet. He just under the Josh Allen's, Joe Burrows, Jalen Hurts. I think Mahomes is number is on the top by himself right now. Just because hard to argue that. Yeah, he hasn't given us any reason not to. I don't think Herbert has crossed into that elite tier, but he could. A healthy Austin Eckler could be interesting. That offense could be so potent if yeah, Keenan Allen, with, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, all those guys can stay healthy. And then they drafted a wide receiver in the first round, too. Uh, yeah, Quentin Johnson out of TCU. Big playability, but we know the last time that a first-round receiver got drafted out of TCU, that was Jalen Rager with the Eagles, and Just he got, was cut by the Minnesota Vikings today. So yeah. <laughs> things are trending up for wide receivers at TCU. Uh, yeah, so... I think they'll be interesting. I think if the Chief, uh, Chargers can stay healthy, the Chiefs are going to have some serious competition in the AFC West. So I'm going with the Chargers. Um, so yeah, that's our AFC roundup. Um, I and that's think, why there's two of us here, Brian. Yep. I would have forgot the AFC West and just moved right on. Uh, well, I'm glad I could assist you. So just to wrap that up, uh, AFC East, Tom took the Dolphins. I'm going with my Buffalo Bills. In the AFC North, we unanimous, unanimously agreed on the Bengals. I thought it was pretty easy. Down south, Tom Tennessee, I'm thinking T. Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And last but not least, Chiefs and Chargers in the West. So it's going to be a very interesting year in the AFC. Lots of gunslinging quarterbacks. Um, just big playability. There's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be some high-powered, high-octane offense. So before we get into the NFC, we are a sports history podcast. We do have your fun facts for the week um, leading off with that. Yeah, kick us off, Brian. What do you got? What I've got is... Um, on August 30th, 1987, Kirby Puckett of the Minnesota Twins went six for six. He had two home runs and two doubles in Milwaukee, which brought him up to 10 for 11 with seven runs scored on the weekend. Kirby Puckett is just one of four players in Major League history with two six-hit games, and he's the only one to do so since 1935. So there's a ton of six-hit games, a, a solid number. A ton might not be the best. There's a really solid number of six-hit games in MLB history. So the fact that he's the only one to do it twice um, since 1935 is saying a lot. kind of shows how tough it is to put the bat on the ball. Kirby Pucky is one of those guys that... And how much different the game is, too. Yeah, yeah, and to do it in his era. Uh, very cool. He's a guy that, if you don't know a lot about him, worth looking into. Um, really one of the stars in Minnesota Twins history. Um, but Kirby Puckett, 6-for-6, six six, August 30th, 1987. All right, we're going to pivot over to Goff. August 29th, 1996, a rather highly anticipated debut is made on the PGA Tour at the Milwaukee Open. So, Brian, I don't know if you heard of this guy or not, but someone by the name of Tiger Woods makes his professional golf debut. Who? Yeah. And, uh, I've never heard of the guy. Eldrick. Oh, yes. that Yes, yes. Eldridge. Eldrick? Eldridge? Eldrick. Eldrick. Yes. Woods, yeah. That um, guy. So it certainly wasn't the highlight of his career as he finished tied for 60th in the tournament, but he did manage to make a hole-in-one that week. Yeah, that's not too bad. Off to a good start. Yeah, I'd say that's a, a bit of a 
omen of good things to come. I mean, is one of the most hyped like athletes ever with what happened. Yes, he had played in other PGA Tour events beforehand, but as an amateur, this was his first one as a true professional. Interesting. Okay, very cool. It's wild to think of how long he's been around. I I had just turned three at that point. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> About a couple weeks before that, so um, literally three weeks before that, would have just turned three years old, and he's still out there. Obviously, not the same Tiger we knew at one, you know, knew and loved, but he's still out there competing. Uh, it's great to see him out there. Uh, all right, August 31st, 1990. Uh, Ken Griffey Sr. and his son, Ken Griffey Jr., became the first father and son duo to play on the same team with the Seattle Mariners. They hit behind each other in the lineup that night, and in the first inning, they hit back-to-back singles. One of my favorite sports highlights um, that come from the world of baseball is from the game where they went back-to-back home runs. Um, like, just what, like what are the odds? Ken Griffey Sr., in his own right, was a very good baseball player. He just gets completely overshadowed by his yeah, son who's it, one of the greatest to ever play yeah i mean his son just was a lot of times you see that even now we see a lot of guys who their sons are in the league um obviously the uh blue jays are like the big one for that right now yeah bo bichette flat career jr Kevin, bobby witt jr Kevin biggio up there as well um, bobby witt over in kansas city royals but it's interesting because then you go out and like i was at the white Sox game in, in chicago uh about two weeks ago at this point and they have uh, their first baseman, Gavin Sheets. His dad, Larry Sheets, played uh, for the Orioles. So you have all these. Uh, I saw one of the, the lighters, uh, Mark Leiter, Jr. pitch. Yeah, he's in the Texas. Well, there's Jack uh, Leiter and then Mark Leiter, Jr. Jack Leiter's in the Texas Rangers organization. Yes, Mark Leiter, Jr. He's is on the other, Cubs. Yes, so I saw him in Chicago as well. That was interesting because you see them pop up. Baseball, more than anything, I think has a lot of um, – I mean, a lot of all sports do. When you have a father – or even a mother, you know, in women's professional sports that got to the top level, you have someone in your household that knows what it takes to get there. You know, you're already starting the advantage there and physically, but whatever. They're really cool, um, really cool stats. I mean, Ken Griffey Sr. batted just under 300 for his career, 296, 2,100 hits. Wasn't a power hitter like his son. He had 150 home runs um, over the span of a 18-year 18 year, 18-year career. Uh, 859 runs batted in. Yeah, the Griffey's. I mean, and I feel like what's the other one with those guys, too? It wasn't like the back-to-back homers. Did they get in the playoffs and do something? I'm not sure. I know they have a a list of some fun fun stats for the two of them. Did they play together with the Reds, too, at, like, the end of Senior's career? No, so... Or was Senior, like, a coach of some sort? Senior was a Red from 88 to 90. As well as seventy three to eighty one, so actually he was part of the big red, famous big red machine. That okay, that's right. So he started there from seventy three to eighty one, moved on to the Yankees from eighty two to eighty six, the Braves for two years, back to the Reds for two, and then I imagine he went to Seattle because his son was there, because um, he played ninety to ninety one with his son. Um, yeah, very cool. And they also had there is actually another Griffey out there, Craig. He played in the Mariners minor league system and appeared with Ken junior and a few catches league games but he was never able to crack get past triple a could you imagine having your dad being on the team and then two sons no like that's just i mean crazy enough to have one and get to play with them and you have the other like the bonses the fielders yep um the boone family they have a bunch of players who oh, yeah. have made it to the mlb um but just being able to share that moment with your own dad has to just be like such a surreal moment and I couldn't even imagine that would be so cool I don't know you can't put in to words to describe what that would be like yeah uh, you're 100% correct all right Tom what do you got for us 
All right, so August 27th, 2017, a rare sight to see in sports those days that are becoming more popular today. Um, a crossover boxing match between arguably one of the greatest ever in Floyd Mayweather Jr. took on mixed martial artist and UFC icon Conor McGregor. Now, I'll give it to Conor. It was a much more competitive fight than I thought would have happened and most around the world probably imagined as well. But I do remember watching it, and he was um, he was competitive early on. But he started gassing out towards the end of the fight, and that's where Floyd ended up pulling away and ended up earning a TKO in round 10. Did you watch any of that fight, Brian? I don't recall, honestly. Um, personally, to me, this is where the sport, these two sports started to kind of become a bit of a joke. Um, MMA, MMA and boxing as a whole, people that take it tr- tr- like, truly focus on it and fight their fights. I give them all the respect in the world, but this... Um, these crossover matches and these celebrity matches and like Jake Paul is famous at this point because it, of the boxing. And I mean, stuff. he was a YouTube and star. And he now, was a Disney Channel star, which is crazy because he's yeah, that's where he started. Real piece of work. Um, so my thing with Jake Paul though, he's never fought like anyone, an actual boxer. No, he's knocking out Pac-Man Jones and people like that. The one actual boxer he fought, he lost to Tommy yeah. Fury. Yeah, he fights Ben Askren, who's a wrestler, not even wrestler. Just like a UFC fighter. He's a wrestler. He he's a grappler. He's known for the knock, the flying knee knockout when yeah, Jorge Masvidal. He's, he's known for getting him. knocked out. He fights Tyron Woodley, also a Division One big time wrestler, who then, was a uh, UFC and uh, he was a champion at the UFC level. Yes, but he was a guy that you would he uh, he another grappler stay, he, and wrestler. Yes, exactly. He could stand and throw, but he was winning his matches on the ground largely. Yeah, he's fighting guys that aren't known for their boxing. Same with Nate Diaz, who we just recently beat. Yeah, Nate can stand there and take a punch, but Nate, Nate's strategy is just pummel you with punches, and then you somehow get tired. He takes you down, and then he ground and pound or something. Yeah, he just beats you with toughness. You can't do that in a boxing match. No, and like I want to that extent. Put, put, so for me, I do say I dislike these matches, but I will give one caveat because I love watching big dudes throw haymakers. Is this rumor of potentially Tyson Fury? And Francis Ngannou. Oh, yeah, that's booked. Is it booked? I'm pretty sure booked oh, for my. Uh, October. See, I might watch that one because that's the kind of thing where 6'10 Fury and 6'4 Ngannou. I've seen Francis Ngannou throw some punches that look like they would take your head off your shoulders. Yeah, and uh, Ngannou's been training with Mike Tyson, too. So oh, that, baby. That adds another oh, element to it. You know, I might take that back. Well, when I say I don't like these crossovers, it's I don't like these guys who are out here fighting non-fighters or fighting non-boxers. You want to run your mouth about being a good boxer, fight a boxer. And that's not me. I'm not a fighter. I, I have thrown very few punches in my life. But that makes two of us. Um, October 28th is when I'm they in. will be squaring Throw off it up in the, big the screen. boxing ring. I'm here for it. All right. So uh, on to August 28th of 2021, uh, Shohei Otani became the first player in LA Angels history to record 40-plus home runs and 20-plus stolen bases. Great stat line. Poor guy uh, with the elbow injury, but... Thought that was kind of a cool forty home run, twenty stat, uh, twenty stolen bases. Now, if he cannot pitch again, does that take away from the allure of Otani and what he has been, what he's accomplished so far? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal hitter. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, three hundred with forty four home runs. Like he's an amazing hitter. But the spectacle, well, the spectacle of him is the fact that he is just as good of a pitcher as he is a hitter. But he, I think to, I don't think it'll diminish him entirely by any means. Because he's also just seems like a very genuinely good dude. He definitely enjoys, seems that way. Enjoys saying, the game. Enjoys the game very much. Super, like always looks happy. Um, super respectful. I really like him. I think he just seems like a really good person. Um, watching him versus Trout in the World Baseball Classic was so awesome. And watching him like 
Lead that the, was great TV. Yeah, amazing. Watching him lead Japan out on the field and all that. It was really cool. I don't think it'll I don't I don't think it'll diminish his presence because he's established now, but I think it at least diminishes his value within the league, but that's it's okay. 400 million instead of 600, you know? Like Yeah, poor me. Darn. So with Shohei, I think he was trending with what he had done in the past years to go down as potentially the greatest baseball player ever if he were to have kept up and be both a pitcher and hitter. Yeah, I agree. Now if he cannot get back on the mound i don't think he'll get to that greatest of all time no unless he start unless he can, hits 40 home runs a year for the next 15 years which seems unlikely given his age <laughs> but yeah. hey i guess you never know he seems like a super athletic human freak of a person just right. be, being able to go out there throw seven innings hit during the same game he it's not like he's throwing 85 miles an hour fastballs up there either he's pumping in 95 plus has great off-speed stuff. There's a reason why he's successful at both. Absolutely. All right, Tom, one last fact for the uh, for the episode. What do, we, what do you got for us? So you might remember this one more than that last Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight we were just talking, but one of the biggest upsets in college football history took place on September 1st of 2007. Appalachian State goes on the road to the University of Michigan and pulls off a shocking 34-32 to upset. Now, Michigan did have a chance at a last-second field goal to win, but Appalachian State blocked it and secured their victory. Oh, I definitely remember this. I can't say I watched it because I don't think a lot of people were watching this game because it was one of those ramp-up, supposed to be a ramp-up game for, right. for Michigan. For those Wolverines. And at the time, it might have been regarded as the greatest upset in college football history because it was a very lopsided matchup. I think the Wolverines were like a 30-point favorite going into that game. Yeah, if not more. Yeah, if not I mean, more. Appalachian State is not a... Regular quote unquote D one team, they're D one double A. Yes, yes, they're mid. Uh, what is that mid major or is that FCS technically? Yeah, I think it's the FCS. So I mean, fast. It's so cool, and I love seeing that. Seeing the small school. That's one of the things about college sports that I love is seeing those the little guys. It's like watching the sixteen seeds beating the one seeds, like Fairleigh Dickinson over Purdue this year, stuff like that. You only get that in college sports. So I think this was a fascinating one. Right, um, like you put the zero and sixteen Lions in the Super Bowl versus whoever was the best team that year. They're not going to win. No. I mean, maybe that one time out of 100, maybe because something, yeah. some freak accident, some freak play happens. Like Who knows? But you're more times you're like, than not. Well, because especially that, at that point, you're they're, you're all professionals you're dealing with, you know, whereas like in the college game, you're these are teenagers, you know, young, like elder teenagers and young 20 somethings who are learning to still learning to cope with the mental side of the game, the pressure of the fans and stuff. Cause you do, you know, you get, yeah, you get on that big stage. You don't know how the kids are going to handle it. Yeah. So that's what I love about college sports. And uh, yeah, that Appalachian Appalachian state, I think that really just uh, was a huge one. It's still a highlight that you see every year around this time. You know, they go back to it, especially when college football starts, it's something you see pop up again, like, cause you never know what's going to happen. So uh, Tom, looks like we're gonna have a longer episode today. Cause I still do want to talk about the NFC uh, make those predictions while we're here. See, so break that down, um, and I think it just makes sense to start here start on the, the East, East Coast, again. the NFC East. So, um, with that, you got the Giants, you got the Commanders. It still feels weird to say. You've got the the uh, the Cowboys, America's team, psych, <laughs> and then the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, yeah, the beloved Philadelphia Eagles. This. This part of the world. Yeah, very well loved. I got ragged on pretty hard today for not wanting to wear an Eagle shirt at work. Um, Sticking true to your colors. Yeah, dude. I think it's uh, that's an eight. I should report that to HR. 
but it's not as not that serious. It's not like they asked me to put on a Patriot shirt or something like that. Yeah, then you'd have to file a complaint. Yeah, no, I definitely, I'm a fan. I consider the Eagles a solid number two in my heart, but I think they are definitely going to be number one in this division. I don't think that any of the other three teams are going to be able to really give them a good fight. The FC East is always a slobber knocker. You want to talk about... Yeah, just like the AFC North. Yeah, you want to talk about divisions that punch each other in the mouth all, all season? I don't think any division does it more than the NFC East. You guys beat up on each other. Year in and year out, there hasn't been a repeat division winner in what? Since 2004. Yeah, so 19 years. The Eagles won from 01 to 04, and ever since it's just been, been a different division winner each year. But I think this is going to be the first time since then that you're going to see a repeat winner. The Eagles won the division last year and got to the Super Bowl. I think they will be back on top of the NFC East at the end of this season as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the Giants, I think they're going to be interesting. Um, yeah, Brian Dable, does he help Daniel Jones kind of take a next step again? I mean, he, took, he took a pretty Darren solid step this year. In. Darren Waller, uh, you get like Kayvon Thibodeau on his second year. They took some interesting flyers on Isaiah Simmons and uh, Boogie Basham, who they traded, traded for to Buffalo. Obviously, a healthy Saquon is dangerous. Really, I think it comes down to, uh, as my friends like to call him, Danny Dudu Dimes. Uh, <laughs> um, That's an interesting one. Haven't heard that one no, before. No, I hadn't either until, uh, so shout out Brad and Kyle if you're if you're listening. Uh, Danny Dudu, <laughs> um, I you know I think that he's like a very poor man's Josh Allen. Um, he in theory has all the same tools and a capability, but not the same ceiling in my opinion. But I think they could be fun. The Commanders, I'm not worried about at all, and I just don't like the Cowboys. And I also don't think I don't have any reason to consider them a threat to the Eagles. No, I mean, does anybody like the Cowboys? Let's be honest here, especially Dude, America's team. Well, yeah, I don't know. That was back uh, 30 years ago I when we know. were born. Back, yeah, back when they were legitimately very good. And actually relevant. Yeah. All right. So, so with the Eagles, I mean, just to touch on them, I love what oh, yeah. they did with the draft, bringing Jalen Carter, who if he doesn't have some of those off-the-field issues, he might be the number one overall pick Have you heard past draft. Have you heard what they've been referring to him as uh, around the, the Eagles locker room and on the sports media? Oh, I've heard this. Like Brandon, ba- so it came baby the, rhino, I think, or yeah, something like so that. It came from Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox in separate interviews, and Darius Slay. I've all mentioned him specific, called him out specifically for how yeah, how well he's been doing. Ridiculous. He, like I think I don't know Lane Johnson. Yeah, Lane Johnson say that was he the is big one. Very hard to block, and it's like That's he's coming from like, potentially the best right tackle in the game. Not, not he is the best. He hasn't allowed a sack in a couple of years, and. He's a, he's a beast. It's like 900-some snaps. He hasn't given yeah. up a sack. But the Baby Rhino, he says it's, like, it's literally, he says like, it's like blocking baby, baby Rhino. He's so big. He's so fast. He's His hands and arms are so strong that he hits you in the chest and takes the wind out of you. And and this is someone who's like 21, 22 years old. Like, imagine where <laughs> yeah. he can get to when he gets some man strength behind yeah, him when he's 24, 25. And joining an already very solid uh, Eagles defensive line and pass rush, that too, if Jordan Davis can become an every-down guy, that's just two massive mountains of men in the middle. Yeah, good luck stopping those guys. You got your runs. What should be your run stuffer in Davis, who does also have some serious penetration ability. But then you got Jalen Carter, who sounds like he could be a true like game wrecking, yeah, like Aaron Donald, yeah, like a, like a large Aaron Donald, yeah. And he fell to number nine to the Eagles, and then they took at the end of the first round his teammate Nolan Smith. Yeah. Now I'll give it to Howie. It is currently a Georgia bold strategy North. picking. Virtually all of the Georgia Bulldogs defense. They're top I, players the last couple of years. Kelly Ring, uh, was it Kelly Ringo? Kelly Ringo, I think. Ringo. Cornerback. And then they drafted well. Nicobe Dean last year, a linebacker. So you have four of their starters. I mean. From that national championship team. Yeah. I think they're back-to-back national champs. Is that correct? Stenson I, Bennett won two in a row. I think so. 30-year-old Stenson really Bennett play playing college. college football. Um, 
So drafting all those guys, I mean, to an extent, it makes sense because from what people have said, it's arguably the greatest college defense, one of the top ones like ever. Yeah. So I see the blueprint behind it, but that doesn't always mean it's going to translate to the NFL. No. You mentioned Stetson Bennett, and I just think this is a funny thing. Did you see the, the meme going around? How he was teammates with Sonny Michelle at Georgia, and Sonny Michelle went on to be drafted in the first round, win multiple Super Bowls, and play for multiple teams, and retire all before Stetson Bennett even set foot in the NFL. I did not see that, but that's yeah. hilarious. I'll have to find the exact thing, so maybe I'll, I'll find it and post it up on our Instagram. Um, but yeah, so Sonny Michelle had his whole career, was teammates with Bennett at Georgia, and managed to have a whole career and retire before Bennett even got drafted. So I found that fascinating. Good for him. Right? Yeah. So um, moving on, uh, NFC North, Bay, uh, Bears, Lions, Vikings, Packers. I feel like this division might have the most intrigue in the uh, NFL. I agree. Bunch of unknowns, but bunch of teams that could potentially just take off and surprise people and, you know, win 11 or 12 games out of nowhere. Yeah. I don't know if there's like a true favorite. I imagine the betting favorite is the team that I was going with, which is going to be the Vikings. Um, I think any offense that's going to center around Justin Jefferson is going to be interesting. But at the same time, Kirk Cousins, I've never been convinced he's going to be anything beyond a solid game-managing quarterback. Um, They don't have Delvin Cook anymore, so we're going to see what Alexander Madison can do in a full bell cow um, position. If that is going to be the case, I'm not even entirely sure. Um, But beyond Jefferson, they lost Thielen. I can't even really name you. I think KJ Osborne is there. And then they took Jordan Addison in the Jordan first Addison, round, who's supposed to be, you know, the next big thing. That didn't he a just lot get of people a, are saying. Didn't he just get in some trouble there too. Like he just pled no contest or not guilty to something. Nothing too serious, but like if he did, I did not see that. It wasn't much. So I'm So not the Detroit Lions that. are actually the betting favorite on DraftKings. Well, okay, that makes sense though in terms of a betting favorite because they probably have pretty decent odds in terms of like your return. I'm not a big better, so I don't know the proper way to speak about this. Yeah, just looking it up. I mean, they're plus one forty. So if you bet ten bucks, you win fourteen. Or if you're yeah. a high roller, you bet a hundred and you win one forty. I mean, I was half tempted to pick the Lions as well. Uh, they did a really they were a lot they were not your average Lions last year. Dan um, Campbell really seems to be he's that, that kind of guy that you want he makes me want to run. Do yeah, you watch any of the hard knocks with them? I've not watched the hard knocks, but uh, I've yeah. seen some like clips of him like talking to uh, the yeah. team and it's like I'm fired up. I'm ready. Dude, to go. They're do, if they're doing push-ups, he's doing push-ups. Like this man is like if they're running, he's running. Yeah, he goes through the thick and thin with you, which is what you want. Like he's not gonna throw you under the bus. I think it's someone a else. Great motivator too. You don't want your like 45 to 50 year old coach beating you in sprints or out doing more push-ups. And, you know, it's like it's a good motivator. But I think they have some very interesting pieces. Um, Jared Goff has shown to be a decent quarterback. Not great. Not. He definitely has not lived up to his number one overall pick status, but I feel like if he, you had taken him in like the third round, you'd be pretty pleased with what he's turned into. Um, Thrown to Amon Ross St. Brown. Jamison Williams is going to be very interesting uh, when he gets back from his suspension yeah. uh, in week seven. Can't uh, alert to all you sports players out there, professional athletes, don't just don't bet. Like, Yeah, just it's not that serious. You're making enough money. There's no point in doing it. Wait until your career's over. You're not uh, going to be in the league that long. Um, but, yeah, so the Lions are interesting. I thought about maybe picking them, but they. You know, I still feel like you can never trust the Detroit Lions. Um, yeah, hard then, to do that with their track record as a franchise. And, Tom, I know that you went a different direction than I did. I, well, where I went with the Vikings, I know you picked one of the other teams in the division. And I'm curious what your uh, rationale behind that would be and, and who it is. Yeah, I went with the Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. 
Duh, bears, duh, bears, duh, bears. <laughs> Justin Fields. So I think Justin Fields takes that kind of like Jalen Hurts step and becomes one of the next big quarterbacks in the league because of his ability to run the ball. I mean, he's virtually like a running back one back there with how much he can do on the ground. And then his yeah. passing ability is pretty decent too. And if he can take that steps like Hurts did, I can see the Bears really catapulting to the top of that division and taking over and winning the NFC North. They brought in DJ Moore. He should be a good good target for and Fields the third. Takes two some of the pressure the off of Darnell Mooney, um, who can kind of Yeah, good wide receiver two. Sit back in a, in a wide receiver two spot. Clear Herb, Herbert taking over for uh Montgomery. David Montgomery, who left. And then I think just as a whole, they Cole Komet, he's a solid tight end as well. Um I just you know, I like to be a little bit different sometimes with picks. Don't want to always go with the quote-unquote favorites. So, based on the odds there, the Bears were the third favorite in, in the pecking order. So, plus, like we said, just because the, the teams were good the year before doesn't mean that they're going to sure. be good again the following year. And probably because their record wasn't as good, they'll have a bit of an easier schedule, per se. Yeah. You mentioned David Montgomery, and I think so. He actually went in the stayed in the division going to Detroit, and that could be an interesting piece for them because he's one of those guys where health issues have been a thing. But if he can stay healthy, I mean, his last fully healthy year, he was a. I mean, he really. I think it might have been the year he really took the lead by storm, and everyone's like, "Wait, who is this guy?" They have uh, a great one-two punch there in Detroit with Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama uh, too. He could be very interesting. So I think Detroit could be interesting. I mean, and then Green Bay is gonna be fun to watch. I mean, it's the first year. In what, like 30 years that it's not Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Must be nice. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. Jordan Love will finally get to, get to you know, unleash a little bit. Yeah, um, see what he can do. Former first-round pick. Yeah, dude just then has just had to sit there. I don't know. I don't expect much from them. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up fourth in the division and we see the Packers picking pretty high for the first time in a while um, come next year. Probably would be best suited for them, too, and kind of just build yeah. around Jordan Love. Yeah, they could use it. Um, I'll be interested to see if they take a different roster-building approach than they did with Aaron Rodgers. Um, they just refused to bring him in like the team. Any receivers made no sense. I still don't understand it. Christian Watson could be fun. I did take him on one of my fantasy teams. Um, I think he had some ups and downs last year, but I think he could be, depending on if Jordan Love can get him the ball, they could be, it could be interesting. It seems um, like he has that big playability. Yeah, Romeo Dobbs, uh, or Dubes, or however you say it, could be a solid piece as well. He had a couple of really good games last year, and like I felt like kind of fell off a cliff um, in terms Hit of that production. rookie wall. Yeah, which yeah, to be expected. He kind of overperformed um, his draft, uh, the draft pick he was, and and what people expected of him. Um, but then Aaron Jones is going to be a very critical part to that team if he can stay healthy. Great. Uh, AJ Dillon's a solid back, but I think they need Aaron Jones to really keep them competitive in a lot of games. Um, Dillon's more of a short yardage banger, uh, more of an old school running back in my opinion, kind of built in the Jerome Bettis uh, frame of just kind of like he, he, could, he could almost be a fullback in a yeah, different like period. Derek Henry almost, but not yeah. as not yeah. as good. Derek Henry <laughs> White, yeah. you could say. Yeah. And then Jones is that like game breaker, big time playmaker type. Yeah, receiver out of the backfield, he can do a lot there. So I do. Th- I honestly, I picture the Packers last um but i think it can be anybody's division this year but i'm going vikings you're going bears nfc north in the books head south nfc south we're talking rookie quarterback in carolina with bryce young we got the buccaneers uh we baker mayfield starting down there for them which hey look i you know i think he's entertaining to watch uh, I don't think that doesn't mean he's good. He's entertaining. Yeah, he likes to run around and throw the ball downfield or just run 10 yards back around a circle and get <laughs> right. sacked. He's like Johnny Manziel, but we're like more put together. Um, 
And then you've got the Falcons and the Saints. So another division that tends to historically be pretty bad. It's not like they just beat up on each other. Everyone tends to beat up on them, at least since Breeze left. I mean, it hasn't always been this way. Matty Ice had some really good teams in Atlanta. Breeze had some very good teams in New Orleans. Brady for a couple of years in Tampa. Carol- Cam, Cam Newton Cam Carolina. Carolina. They did go to a Super Jake Bowl. Jake DeLone back in the early 2000s. <laughs> Jake DeLone, Moosin Muhammad, uh, Tim Biaka Batuka. I remember that name because he was like on the first Madden I ever played. It might have been like Madden 99. Um, so Is he a quarterback? I don't remember Running that back. Running back, yeah. He was like a... He went to Michigan. Uh, born born in Africa, actually, Zimbabwe. Moved to Canada. Came, yeah, I don't. I looked him up one time just because I was curious. I remember the name. Uh, but yeah, some fun teams that came through there. Uh, Bryce Young is going to be interesting. Number one overall pick. People ragging on him for his size. I'm not sure it'll matter. He seems just like a very smart, good quarterback. Good head on his shoulders. Um, he doesn't have. Well, he. You know, they made some moves this offseason. They really reshaped that roster. Um, Miles Sanders is going to be their top back in the backfield. Hayden Hurst as um, their new tight end. Adam Adam Thielen's old, so I don't expect a ton out of him, but I feel like he's still going to be a very good route-running possession receiver. It helps a young quarterback. I don't think he's going to be the – he won't be the deep threat that he was because he wasn't quite the deep threat for a while there in – Yeah, he caught a lot of touchdowns. Like, yeah, big t- – he may not deep threat. Diggs was their deep threat when it was the two of them. Yeah, Thielen was always the guy in the red zone who would – Get the touchdowns. Seemed like yeah, every big body, good hands. Every game you look, it's like Thielen has one touchdown. Yeah, but he's just not that guy anymore. I don't think so. I, you know, I'm not. This division as a whole doesn't really excite me personally. I think they're gonna be fun to watch. Obviously, Bijan in Atlanta uh, with Desmond Ritter, Drake London, as you had actually had mentioned, we were talking beforehand. Uh, Kyle Pitts, if he can actually, yeah, if they finally like let him loose and yeah, let I, him, he be. just hasn't had anyone to really throw him the ball, which is unfortunate. But yeah, also, it's tough to get the ball when no one can throw it to tight end drafted at number four. Like it's you know the ex- expectations of him are huge. yeah. When you pass on Jamar Chase and then take Kyle Pitts instead, like, which at the time seemed like a good idea, but none of us know what we're talking about with the draft. So, um, who, where, what are you thinking? I mean, I know I haven't touched on Tampa much. I don't really know much of what's happening in Tampa right now because they feel very irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, obviously you lose Tom Brady, so big shoes to fill for you, Baker Mayfield. I mean, you keep Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette is gone. Rashad White should be stepping into that every down roll. Um, he was sitting there later in one of my fantasy drafts than I would have anticipated, but I just didn't feel confident to... I took him just because of the upside. It's like you're going to get yeah. a three down back. It's like, well, there's worse picks I can make here in round, like round nine. And my thought is, you know, I don't want to dive too far into fantasy because that can be a whole wormhole in itself, but... Bad teams still need somebody to move the ball. Yeah. And they're going to be a bad team. I think it's I think it's pretty straightforward that they're not going to be very good. Um, at, But the Bucs, uh, there's just they, too many holes right now. They do have – the thing is that but they do have Evans, they do have Godwin. So, you know, it could – offensively they could look all right, but I don't, I'm not personally expecting a whole lot. No, neither am I. Um, but you kind of teed up what I was going to go with with the Falcons, talking about B. John Robinson, who's supposed to be, you know, the next big thing here. Coming out of college as a running back, Drake London, year two, could really take off, get a, get a lot more targets. And when him and Desmond Ritter played last year together for those last four or five weeks, they had a very good connection. And then if they can just allow Kyle Pitts to be the receiving tight end he's capable of being instead of keeping him up on the line and blocking all the time, allow him to use his athleticism and show what he's capable of doing, it becomes a much more formidable offense compared to what they've shown with Marcus Mariota last year and Matt Ryan as a shell of himself the previous couple, the couple sure. previous years. I think the Falcons are a very fair pick. 
Um, right now, I, I like to use the phrase Madden teams. They strike me as a fun Madden team. Like I would I would throw them up or do a franchise with them because they have great great building blocks. I think a lot of this conference, there's or this division, well, this conference as a whole, the NFC, but this division, there's nobody that truly really stands out to me. But I, you know, my pick is going to head down to the Bayou and New Orleans. I think the Saints are going to be interesting this year. I've always kind of been a Derek Carr guy. I think he's one of those. Like I've, I was always a, always a Matt Stafford guy. I, I rode with him through fantasy lineups. I always, I always talk about how he's underrated because he plays in Detroit. I kind of feel the same way about Derek Carr. When you look at his career stats, the dude started for years for for Oakland and then Vegas. Um, put up decent numbers. He, he wasn't the reason you would like lose a game, but he wasn't no. always the reason you could win. Again, one. very good game manager. I would put him in that Kirk Cousins realm of like, if they were my quarterback, I'm not upset, but like, I'm you not wish a, you could have more. Yes. So I think you know, sending him down there where the Saints have a pretty solid team. I think they've become more of a defensive team than yeah. Since Drew Brees retired, yeah. When it was Brees, they was you were playing the Saints. You're slinging, you get, yeah, you're slinging the ball. Yeah, um, he had Michael Thomas dialed up, and yeah, it seemed like he was getting ten balls for like 120 yards every single game. Yeah, and we're gonna see. You know, it's gonna be a slow start. You know, Kamara is suspended for the first three games. Chris Olave, though, that's a big big name to watch out for. He could, yeah, him and Garrett Wilson are the two guys I think take that next step as year two oh, for receivers. Sure. And Carr can definitely get him the ball. And so Olave is going to be interesting because I think, you know, Carr and, and like Hunter Renfro played that kind of slot guy. And I think you're going to see that from Olave a decent bit down there. I mean, he, I think he'll move around the field. He has a lot of uh, big playability that was like yes. down the field. And that's so, what Derek Carr is very good at, too. He does throw a good ball deep ball. The I think Olave has a lot of good flexibility across the field. So he's going to be an interesting piece. Um, but my, my pick is going to be the Saints. I just think that I like what they've, I'm, I'm liking what they're doing down there. Um, and none of the other teams really stand out to me. I can't even really speak on the Bucks because outside of Godwin Evans and like that offense, I don't really know a whole lot of what's happening there because they don't excite me. So that makes two of us. I don't really. Yeah, it's like the Browns. Like it's their. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. It's a very different situation. They did not. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, much different. I mean, their defense though. I feel like that was kind of like their calling card a bit before yeah. Brady came down and really helped elevate their team and took them to that Super Bowl victory a few years ago. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you got. It's what Devin White, um, yeah, the, a lot of defense, and he's been very, very good for them. Yeah, as a linebacker, he's great down there. But I, I couldn't name anyone else on the defense. No, I, I bet I you. I'm sure I could throw a few names out there, and that might stick, but not worth it. Last but not least, the fourth and final conference in the NFC. We're going out to the West Coast. That gets you the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the. I, I do this every time. The division winning 49ers. Yeah, you know the probably the. Second best team in the NFC. If of course they got them. just had a quarterback, like they would probably be. It's amazing to me how good. they're trying to ride or die with Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant, right? Wasn't yeah, he the last yeah, pick? He was the, draft? the last pick in the draft. Um, which I mean, cool story and all, but like he's going to get figured out. But it's also he's it's a system. Like Kyle Shanahan needs That's a what system good quarterback. For. He, he needs a game manager. He game plans well. Um, I think that this is one where. This is one of the few divisions I think that we agreed on because I don't see a threat to them. Like Geno Smith was a fun story in Seattle last year. Could be interesting, you know, adding Jackson Smith and Jigba to that lineup, um, especially yeah, then, if Gino can uh, throw the ball. What is his name? Uh, Charbonnet, the running back. Zach Charbonnet to be a one-two punch because Kenneth Walker really came on at the end of last year. Um, he's going to be a really interesting pick, and he's the reason I won a couple fantasy leagues last year because I took a flyer on him. And shout really, out to Kenneth Walker. Yeah, shout out Kenneth Walker the third. You're the man. Um, 
then Arizona, Kyler Murray starting the season on the pup list. So there's Dumpster four games. They, it sounds like, I guess they're riding with Josh Dobbs because they cut Colt McCoy. Um, I and traded DeAndre Hopkins. They've traded away Isaiah Simmons. They traded away an offensive tackle. It sounds like they're kind of trying to tear it down and build it back up. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they get, if they are the worst team this year, since there's no lottery, that means they'd have the number one pick. If they went and Caleb, took Caleb, Caleb Williams, Williams then Kyler Murray becomes a, a trade chip. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I'm interested to see Jonathan Gannon um, was a very controversial figure. It felt like out here in Philadelphia. I don't think a lot of people are too sad to see him go. No, and especially with like the comments, Some he of made. the comments he made and just he, I mean, they had a very good defense last year. The city of Philadelphia, for whatever reason, wants to just see everybody blitz the quarterback every single down and just get after the quarterback. <laughs> like the 12 year old self, when you're playing Madden, just zero blitz every single time and just send Absolutely. everybody. Like, yeah, it, it's fun. It should happen on like third down when it's like third and five and you just send the house, like try and disrupt the play. But yeah. he played a very good defense, game plan a very good defense all year. And then in the Super Bowl, he was clearly distracted, it seemed, because of what he was doing and interviewing with the Cardinals. Yes. I hate that they allow that you're allowed to interview people before the playoffs are over. It yeah, something needs to change because I to an extent, I mean, I'm not gonna take away from what the Chiefs were able to do, but I feel like a fully focused Jonathan Gannon might have been able to game plan better and make in game adjustments more. Yeah. But it's here nor there. The Eagles still lost. I mean, the one thing that nobody really ever talks about is Jalen Hurts fumbling oh, the ball. The fumble. Yeah. And that cost seven points. Yeah, you know, what? Uh, that's a different story for another day. But yeah, Don't J- need to rehash the Super Bowl no. from last year. Jonathan Gannon, I think it's clear that he's trying to revamp. They're trying to revamp the roster the way he wants it to run the, def- run the schemes they want and whatnot, which, hey, I don't blame him. Cliff Kingsbury kind of created a mess down there, and they never panned out. So. Yeah, it seems like a... Everybody do what you want on your own type thing down there, and maybe Gannon can establish some sort of order. We'll see. Yeah. So I mean, in that division, it's got to it's going to be the Niners. I don't see anybody else really giving them too much of a run. Um, yeah. If you've been listening, we've harped on what the 49ers can bring on offense. Yeah. With McCaffrey, Debo oh, Samuel, yeah. Brandon Ayuk, the gadget, George Kittle, the gadget like, plays, the play calling of Kyle Shanahan is just really, um, it's really reliant on shifty quick guys and they've really done a good job of building that brock purdy i think the whole thing with him is they just want quick hitting throws that are on the money um, george kittle obviously he had a bit of a down year last year compared to what we kind of anticipated from him um, but even he is more than capable of doing uh sorry about that rattle uh hey our, darla our guest my dog darla is tossing her toys everywhere yeah she with a cone on her head box. so it's not a yeah it's not a it's a fun days over here in the gay household um, and then the last team in the NFC West, um, the, Rams. the Rams, I feel like are just kind of irrelevant again. So, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting year in the NFL across the board. Um, I don't really have anything else to add and, uh, Darla's trying to rush us out of this, but I'm very curious to see what happens. I'm curious to see where our picks, um, land again. We pick both picked the Eagles in the East, uh, Tom went bears. I went Vikings in the North. Uh, Falcons and Saints for, uh, for Tom and I in the South. And then last but not least, it's the Niners in the West. Um, I, this is what I mean when I say that I don't think the NFC is a very strong conference. I do think it's very much the Eagles and the Niners. Um, yeah, if anybody else comes out of the NFC in something the Super Bowl, pretty something wrong. happened. Or some team is way better or, than anyone anticipated. You know, 
Justin Fields takes an Uber next step instead of just like one or two steps. And Trey Lance usurps Dak Prescott. Yeah, and, just something uh, that we can't well, the, imagine happening right, right now. now. I think the Cowboys are number three in the conference. For sure. Um, but that's I think that says more about the conference than it does about the Cowboys. I did not right. sold on them. Tony Pollard could be very interesting, but Dak Prescott led the league in uh, interceptions last year while missing what, four, four games, games. Five. Something like that. Yeah, and led the league in interceptions, so. It's going to be a very interesting year. We're excited to come back next week for you. We'll have our uh, end of season picks, the, you know, our uh, yeah, who conference makes the Super champions. Bowl. Who's going who's gonna to win the Super Bowl? We're going to talk MVP. We'll talk Rookie of the Year. We're going to talk a whole lot of football because we're going to be coming at you the morning of the first day of the NFL season. I'm very excited. Um, I know the Bills are going to be the first Monday night game of the season kicking off on 9-11 in New York against the Jets. So there's going to be a lot of energy um, very exciting to see going divisional off the bat. The Eagles, who do they who do they take on on week one? They go up to New England and face the Patriots. Oh, uh, okay. You know, I'm going to be sitting here. Tom Brady's retirement. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, because no matter what happens, I will always dislike the Patriots. Pretty sh- that's the uh, day the Patriots are honoring Tom Brady, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's r- I hope that the Eagles ruin it for them. Um, unless Tom Brady like magically resigns with them that day and yeah, he shows up. <laughs> Although he was pretty washes last year, that's another story for another day. So we're very excited to join you again next week. Talk some more football. Have some more fun history facts for you as well. We very much, as always, appreciate you tuning in. Please check us out on all of our social medias at Going Back Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Again, hopefully YouTube coming at you soon. Um, and we're very excited to be here with you talking sports on going back, back, back. Tom, what do you got for us before we get out of here? Yeah, just real quick. The beers we were drinking tonight from Concha Hawking Brewing, a staple that you and I have been to a lot around sure in the have. area. Uh, drinking the Ring the Bell American Lager tonight. An ode to the Philadelphia Phillies. That is their Twitter hashtag, Ring the Bell. After each victory, they do have a bell out there in center field, the Liberty Bell. They ring each time. So Concha Brewing Company came up with this beer, quality beer. And it felt very fitting um, with how awesome the Phillies have been lately. Um, They've been ringing that bell quite a bit, so felt like we needed to ring the bell tonight. That's fair. That's fitting. So, Tom, appreciate you bringing these by. Coming out and joining on another episode of Going Back, Back, Back. Thanks for checking us out, and we will catch you next week. Yeah, RIP to Bob Barker. This one's for you, man. RIP, Bob. Help control the pet population. Make sure you uh, spayed and neuter your pets. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.